Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that believes in the power of facts. I'm your host and community manager for the Thirsty Mage Video Game Club, David Lloyd, and this week we're taking a deep dive into the world created by Nihon Falcon in Ease Origins. But before we get into our episode, uh, have you ever wanted to review video games but felt that your writing may not be sufficiently strong? The Thirsty Mage Video Game Club was created to assist folks in organizing their thoughts and sharing their opinions with their friends. For more details on how you could get access to free games, both new and old, join us on the Thirsty Mage Discord server or head on over to the patreon.com slash thethirstymage. But let's get to our panel, and uh, starting with the man who's never met a sugary drink he didn't like until he tried ginger beer, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. So uh, I'm very tired. Uh, I, I feel like Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays when I have the kids for most of the day, uh, I, I, I start getting very tired <laughs> around like... 5 6 p.m. Uh, and I, I tried to sneak in a little nap before we started recording. Uh, but I can confirm, unlike uh, last, uh, the beginning of last week's uh, episode, uh, my uh, my recording mic is in front of my face this evening. Uh, so uh, the, the, there shouldn't be any audio issues from from my end uh, uh, for this episode. But uh, yeah, I don't. Know, it's funny. Like I Tuesday Thursday, I've got a lot of energy because I'm at home. I'm just running errands. Um, you know, getting writing done, playing some games. Uh, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, the, being the, the full-time dad is, uh, uh, definitely a full-time job. That's for sure. Well, it wouldn't be a, a show about the Ease franchise without the better half of the top Nintendo podcast, Casey Gibson. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you've dubbed me like the Ease expert, but really, uh, this is only the second Ease game I've ever played, but man, I tell you what, I really love eight. It's so good. I, I I thought you'd played more of the games, Casey. I'm surprised to hear you st- hear you say that. But you must have maybe been a fan of the series from afar, maybe before you even played it. Uh, no, no. Mm. I, I I got in. Actually, I got Ease Eight uh, as a review code. I I don't know. Obviously, I had some sort of interest into it, but I went mm-hmm. into it actually pretty blind. So I was like, oh, it's an action RPG. Cool, you know. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think it was just my. Uh, my over, I'm trying to think, over, I don't know, I, I also am tired. Um, <laughs> my excitement for 8, uh, I think my beaming excitement is what sort of uh, dubbed me as the ease guy. But yeah, it, I, I'm pretty new to the series, uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying uh, my second dip into the series If uh, t- to spoil a little bit uh, on this episode. But obviously we're going to get all into it uh, and... Uh, for sure. Well, so I guess you'll be playing uh, your third Ease game uh, early next year, or uh, maybe I don't know if you're going to play the PlayStation Four version. Uh, I guess not of, of Ease Nine, but Ease Nine coming to Switch uh, in the first half of next year, I think. So Ooh, yes, uh, I, I'm yes. hoping we're going to be playing that one together. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, that game looks oh man, so cool. I, I'm definitely mm-hmm. really excited. And definitely uh, a, a departure from this game. Like Ease Origin, uh, it felt very different from Ease Eight. Like I, you can see a, a few of the similarities, but uh, feels like more in common with uh, earlier games in the series. I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I think the idea is if you ha- if you didn't really own a PSP or or a, maybe a PlayStation Vita when it first came out, and you came to those consoles or those libraries later, you, this was a very easy series to miss. I think a lot of the games ended up being either on uh, PC or PSP and maybe Vita. Uh, and so if you didn't play, if you didn't really get into those platforms or, or play these kind of games there, uh, the E-Series has been easy to miss. And it, this is kind of foreshadowing 
uh, our last call. But yeah, it's, it's just something about this series that everyone who follows RPGs might know it, but that doesn't mean that they have a lot of experience with it. Yeah, Nih- Nihon Falcom is... Uh, they haven't really strayed a whole lot away from the the PC development, especially, and then just kind of sticking around in Japan. Like, when you look at the publishing, like, who's publishing and that sort of thing, like, they do their own self-publishing, but, like, when you when you leave Japan, it's all done by other companies, like, they, mm-hmm. and, and it's never... It, it's flipped around a little bit, like, who's had the rights to it and stuff, so it's one of those things where I think it's, it's a much bigger deal in Japan, so... Um, us us sitting here in the west are only really recently i would say or for some of us anyway are uh, really just starting to discover like how great that uh, developer is mm-hmm. but before we uh we spoil too much of uh, the rest of the episode maybe jordan you'd like to kick off the uh, drink of the week yeah so i think i think what's funny is uh maybe synonymous with the uh uh, origin part of E's origin is I think I'm talking about a drink I might have had on one of my first episodes uh, of the Thirsty Mage. Um, it's from Boylan Bottling Company. Uh, it's a it's a soda, obviously. Um, it's a cane sugar black cherry um, glass bottle, uh, and I know I've been kind of going away from those, but I don't think they make these ones in cans. Uh, but yeah, it, it's really good. Um, uh, very sweet. Uh, obviously, uh, the the cane sugar uh, maybe. Um, a little bit more natural, you know, that's kind of nice. Um, ingredient list is a lot more, um, friendly, I guess, or, or comforting, I suppose. Uh, carbonated water, cane sugar, natural black cherry flavor, citric acid, color, fruit and vegetable juice for color, uh, and sweet cherry juice. Uh, so not, not a lot of, um, uh, things you can't really identify. So that's good. Um, the Boylan Bottling Company, I think they're, I want to say Portland. I'm just trying to confirm on this. Uh, bottle um it says new york i don't know maybe i maybe i uh i'm getting confused with another another drink maker but um yeah i've got a bunch of different flavors i've tried the cola before that one's good too um i saw uh when i was grocery shopping i saw a whole whole kind of shelf devoted to uh the boil and drink so they had an orange they had a cream soda i think they had a ginger beer which is why i referenced it uh in the notes for david there um, uh, ginger ale, a couple other things, but, uh, the black cherry I've had, again, I've had before. I think I might've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, probably still my favorite one. Although I do want to try, uh, the cream soda and the orange, but yeah, um, the, I mean, I'm not like going out of my way to find drinks made with cane sugar, but I feel like when I get them, I end up liking them quite a bit. So, uh, happy to, happy to have this one again. You're a cane man. I am. Yeah. I mean, this is this is me uh, taking a quick break from Pepsi. So Mm. don't 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 make it too long of a break. It's important. It's important to go au naturel once in a while, you know, and just to cleanse your body of all the uh, I don't know, all the chemicals that you can't really spell or name properly. Not me. Pepsi has a cane sugar version. (laughs) I I think I had. a solid two and a half glasses of Pepsi with dinner tonight. I went all out. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> well, oh, it I was sort that. of like like we got Greek food, so I was eating that. Yes. You know, of course, you go through a, a full glass real quick, fill it back mm-hmm. up. And then there was like the, the post-dinner cookie situation, you know? So it's like, you know, of course. Hold on. You're, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We've got to stop the podcast here. You're drinking Pepsi when you're having cookies? Oh, yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? Uh, are you putting some milk in that Pepsi at least, or having a Pepsi float or something? I'm like... not a milkman, to be honest with you. I, mm, I really don't okay. like milk at all, actually. Um, you know, I'll have it in my cereal. Yeah. Which 
I, <laughs> thinking about it, I probably haven't had cereal in like <laughs> you know five years. <laughs> but yeah. um, the last but yeah. time you had a drop of milk five years ago with your Fruit Loops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never oh, had a man. Coke with your Oreos. Uh, I, it, the yeah, sugar sure on I sugar, though, like I, I mean, that, dude, that's I'm what I'm surprised you. about. Coke and cookies, dude, or or Pepsi and cookies, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do. Cola and cookies, it's the way to go. Well, that's gonna melt your teeth. You might you might as well go all the way in. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't even worry about your teeth. Like whatever, they might fall out. But man, oh, they're they're going to. You're probably you're on dentures <laughs> in about a year, my friend. I think you know if you keep up if you keep that trend up. But then, yeah, you get the dentures, and then then you know there's nowhere to go but up. You're on easy street at that <laughs> point, yeah. <laughs> it's just poly poly dent with your dentures in a cup beside your bed, like the commercial show, right? Yep, perfect. And oh, I, just, you don't even need your teeth when you're drinking a smoothie or something. <laughs> that's all you're going to be drinking at that point, I think. Oh, dude, um, smoothies now, are good. Though. Here's my question: uh, It's December twenty fourth. It's midnight. You're just about to go to bed. What are you leaving out for Santa? Oh well, of course you got to leave a little milk. I mean, I'm not who I'm not drinking it, you know. I expected you to. Well, I, I didn't even know if it'd be in your house. Like, I, you know, if you're not eating cereal anymore either. Well, that, uh, you know, of course there there are the things that require it. You know, you, you've got your pasta sides and your mac and cheeses mm-hmm. and and such. I mean, uh, I I think so it's we do time. Use a little milk, but. I think it's time to leave out some some Pepsi and cookies for Santa. Mm. Hey, just see, just, pot, just see what happens. Hey, maybe I'll get that PS5 under the Christmas tree. You'd be like, yeah. oh, dude, he left Pepsi. <laughs> You'll you'll be lucky <laughs> to get a PS One Classic, I think. <laughs> uh, but I guess just to finish off this whole ramblings here, I'm drinking water at this point. I've I've got my caffeine uh, from from my numerous cups of Pepsi, uh, and I did have a coffee, non decaf. Oh yeah, you hell you! I'm surprised you haven't any more caffeine after your two and a half Pepsis. That's uh, you're, you should be loaded for bear here, dude. I... I guess I just I I take intake a lot of caffeine. I guess it doesn't really. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like you balance it with a fair amount of water, so I think you're okay. Yeah, yeah, diluting it. Yes. Well, I can uh, since since this episode will be going out after the embargo, I can uh, I can spill the beans that uh, as of recording today, uh, I I just finished an eight hours finale of uh, Trails of Cold Steel four. And uh, brain's a little fried. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this this might be a doozy of an episode. But uh, I had to go with a couple drinks tonight because uh, I, I I was so fried that I, I needed. To, I also needed some coffee before uh, before coming on. And but I also had my beer of the week, which is the Bose from Bose Brewing Company. It's the Lug Tread Lagered Ale. So luckily, it's only a five percent. Uh, this week it's just a, kind of just a basic uh, lager, Lagerdale that it's got kind of a smooth taste. It, it doesn't have a whole lot to it, uh, which turned out pretty good because uh, I had to. I ended up having uh, the coffee, like I said. But when it's this late at night, I usually do like the instant, uh, the instant crystal coffee, and because the the taste of that is uh, so. Uh, I just have a heart, like, I just, it just, it's disgusting, but it gives you that jolt of caffeine, so I just throw a little Tim Hortons uh, hot chocolate powder in with it, um, so it's, it's kind of like a, a mocha coffee and a, and a beer, and uh, we'll see if, uh, if it all stays down by the end of this episode. Good luck. <laughs> we, we, we don't know, the three of us might be dead by the end of this episode, I think, <laughs> considering what, considering the, the things we're putting inside our bodies, I don't know. 
Just one of those weeks. It's been a it's been a busy week of playing video games. So. But uh, we'll get into the uh, the topic for the week this week, which is uh, Eve's Origin. Uh, so this is the, the version that's come to Switch. Uh, this game originally came out back in 2006. This was a, a PC game that uh, Nihon Falcom had made in Japan for Windows XP, I believe it was at the time. Um, kind of just stayed there for a long time before until 2012 when it was uh, localized worldwide and put on Steam. And uh, and again, it, it, it kind of sat there for a while because then it didn't come into to anything else until 2017 when it was released on PS Vita and PS4. And uh, now in uh, 2020, it's it's been graced uh, onto the Switch. So uh, we're we're happy about that. Um, all, all three of us have played it, and I think uh, I think we're all going to have pretty positive uh, viewpoints on it. But uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe Casey, why don't you kick us off with your initial thoughts of uh, what you thought of this this old old style R- action RPG? Yeah. Um. Well, again, the, these games, I think it's like I just love jumping in um, and just sort of doing like no research beforehand, right? So obviously, I, I mentioned before I played eight, um, and then I saw you know Origin coming to the Switch, so you know I I, I sort of knew we'd be talking about it here, so it was like, yeah, I'm definitely in. Uh, so I jumped in, and yeah, right off the bat, right, they sort of give you the option, like, pick, you know, sort of the the um, up-close-and-personal combat character, the melee character, and then you got the caster. So um, I ended up going with the melee guy just because it, it's actually funny. When I was younger, like, I always gravitated towards, like, ranged and, like, magic users. And, like, as the years have progressed, I, I'm now more like I'd rather be up-close-and-personal with, you know, you know, laying out the the damage with uh, hand-to-hand combat. So that definitely appealed to me more. And just getting into it, the battle system itself is, it's pretty, you know, sort of straightforward. You know, it's not like really super deep, um, you know, and you unlock some things as you go to, you know, add more variety. But again, it's it's pretty easy to wrap your head around. You know, you got, so your attack, you got like a power uh, that you can like, your ability that you can sort of, um, you know, charge up to unleash some really big hits. You've got like a, a, a boost meter that, you know, eventually when it hits it, uh, you know, you can use that and you, you'll be doing extra damage and stuff. But what I think I really love most about the, the I guess, you know, it's not even the battle system so much as just the game flow is that when you kill enemies, they drop, um, you know, they look like just little orbs or circles or diamonds, mm-hmm. just little, you know, things. And you could collect them and they give you boosts to, um, you know, your, let's say some might be like, hey, you're going to do more damage. Hey, you're going to, you know, you've got more defense and you start to see like the experience, you know, have a multiplier, right? So it sort of promotes it like, hey, take out these enemies and move on to the next enemy fast and keep it going you know like you're just going to run a train on all these enemies and you know you get like a dash or 
I guess it's just sort of like a, a run ability, so you know you can move faster and sort of keep chaining the attacks uh, between different packs of enemies. So I just thought, you know, right off the bat, pretty simple but fun and engaging. And then, like I said, that sort of extra element of like, hey, do it fast, keep, you know, don't slow down, you know, go, go, go. And, you know, I sort of like that. And then they do hit you with those periods of more like, hey, this is more of a platforming area. You know, you're going to be jumping around. You're going to be actually jumping and then having to use like a charged ability to actually propel yourself further to get to that area you couldn't reach. So it does have a good mixture of sort of, hey, I'm doing a lot of combat to verse like, hey, like sort of figure out how to, you know, traverse this area. And I think those two sort of play well together. Yeah, I think it's a really good point about the flow, and I, I I totally agree with that. It reminds me a little bit of a game I played earlier this year called CrossCode, uh, where I, the action RPG combat is very much similar, but also the idea of staying in combat and being rewarded for that. Uh, in CrossCode, uh, the longer you stay in combat, the uh, more the, you're rewarded with um, rarer items or, or better drops. Uh, but in Ease Origin, you're rewarded with more experience and more power, and I think that's better for compelling you to keep fighting. Uh, you you'll you'll you know periodically get health drops. Uh, you can actually um, you can improve the kind of drops you get, uh, their quality and quantity. I think both uh, by leveling up at uh, the fountain at the bottom of the tower uh, in this game. Um, and then yeah, it just encourages you even further that our, uh, the experience multiplayer is great. I love it, um, Casey. I'm sure you'll you'll agree that there's also kind of a, um, a feel like Diablo in this game. Uh, especially Diablo 3 with it, its kind of fast pace and uh, the almost rewarding you for staying in combat longer. Uh, and I, I think it's just really fun. It's, it's a really accessible, fun game to get into. There's not a lot of mechanics or uh, complicated things to learn. Um, you you pick up new abilities periodically. You you get you get stronger um, in noticeable ways uh, at, at level ups and when your when your weapons improve. Um, uh, sorry, when you uh, when you bring your weapons down for more crafting, um, yeah, it, it it just feels really good to play. Like it's it's not not overly complicated. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But it's just it's fun as hell. Like I, there's no uh, other way to say it. Yeah, the like the, the pacing by keeping you in the combat all the time. I felt like the pacing was very good. Uh, like you're you're always moving through the through the tower, moving way up. Um, like you said, nothing, you don't have to think too deeply about things. Like the, the puzzles aren't, aren't all that, uh, difficult. Like everything, like the, the gameplay is pretty linear. Like you're pretty much just going straight up. Uh, it's not like you, yeah, there's a couple times where I would kind of get lost. Like if I wasn't paying too much attention, if it was one of those where you're playing kind of, uh, handheld, but not paying complete attention. Cause maybe there's something on the television, but, uh, I, 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 kind of uh, agree with everything you guys have said that the the picking up the picking up the loot all the time uh feels good like it, it gives you let, lets you do those extra uh, i ended up going with the the magic user hugo fact um so the way that uh that he does his attacks is it almost feels like a twin stick shooter because you're always just kind of hanging back and there's these two little orbs that kind of that hang above that kind of hover around above you and they they just shoot in the whatever direction that you're facing, so it's just kind of running around in circles at the enemies, blowing them up. And uh, his his he had a couple extra uh, extra usages like his magic use uh, put a little shield around him and it let him hover uh, for a moment if if you're jumping. Um, the the hyper combat uh, 
puts it, I believe it's like five, ends up putting like five of these eyes, like they end up multiplying. So you've got like five uh, laser blasts coming out. So you're just upping the damage. Um, the one thing that, uh, the one part of the combat that kind of annoyed me though, was that the, there's this extra uh, power up that you, c- you can use that I could never really get a feel for the timing. Whereas um, it, it's this lightning bolt that comes down because he's a magic user. But the way that you trigger that is there's like this timing that happens where you have to move and then stop and then you have to hit the attack button kind of the same time that you're stopping. And uh, yeah, I could just never really figure out the exact timing on that. Like usually what would happen is I just kind of mashed buttons and uh, and kind of just let the character like Hope stop and best. start all the time. <laughs> and just And then like sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. So I, I almost just kind of used that power as a bonus. Like ah, if it hits, it hits. Like it's not a big deal. Um, so I don't know. I, I just couldn't, just never really got a feel for that particular one. And um, I guess the other thing too is uh, my thumb got a, I don't know if, may, I should probably go back in and look, but the, I, I, there was no like, I couldn't hold the button down and just have an auto shoot. Like I, like I spent the game like uh, fast, fast blasting, like uh, the thumb movement, like, you know, having to tap the button the entire game for the shooting. Um, I don't, I didn't notice a a setting to change that. So I don't know if maybe I just uh, caused myself more grief than I needed to. Boot up the game right now and test because I can't believe (laughs) that that's the case. Like, I know that's not for Hugo. Like. Well, I should have looked, uh, but I just, I just remember playing it and I'm like, man, I'm, it's one of those things I just didn't think about. Like, I just, I just like, whatever, I'm just blasting and blasting. And it wasn't until later that I'm like, man, my thumb's getting sore. <laughs> so it's, yeah, Get it's just, yeah, just, yeah, just n- n- not thinking, uh, just, just playing, not thinking, I guess that that's, uh, my main experience, I guess, with the game is just being able to just kind of feel it out. I mean, the nice thing about Unica is that um, you're not just pressing her melee attack button because you're 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 using her ability, uh, whether it's the wind, the thunder, or the fire ability, pretty often because it's so powerful uh, and usually has like an area of effect kind of a ability to it as well. So um, the nice thing is you're as much as you're kind of button mashing maybe on a boss uh, when you find their their uh, vulnerable spot or um, you've kind of you you've weakened them to a certain point. Uh, you you are switching back and forth between different attacks and jumping up and using like her um I guess her downward thrust and and using her abilities in midair and stuff too. So um I guess I, I like that element of it as well. Like it didn't parts felt button mashy, but I'd say on the whole it's not really like that. You have there are especially later in the game, in the second half, you have to be a lot more skillful about when when you attack and you can't just charge into groups of enemies necessarily. Yeah, I think they have a nice, at least, you know, I, I haven't beaten the game yet, but, like, I've, so far, I feel like it's been a nice mix of, like, oh, there's some cannon fodder enemies that you can really just sort of blast through, like, easy peasy, and then there are the ones that are like, okay, these guys are gonna hit a little harder, and yeah, you gotta sort of start to think about your patterns of attack instead of just, like, smashing the buttons, you know, but I really liked with, um, the like, the warrior class, Yuna, right, is that what you said? Unica. Unica. Yeah, Unica, that's right. Um, being able to switch between the different elements, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, the wind is cool because it gives you, when you charge it down, it sort of gives you that, like, uh, it's almost like a hurricane around you, right? Like a nice barrier that does damage, you know, and then you get this sword, uh, the, the fire sword that, you know, shoots out, 
you know, big flames, and, and if you mm-hmm. charge it up, like, a big, like, sort of dragon hawk flame thing goes ripping through the enemies, and it, I I really liked, you know, sort of switching those up on the fly, and again, oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, the game sort of encourages it, like, hey, just keep moving, keep changing up, and uh, I, I really like that, but for the bosses, I mean... That first boss, um, and I don't know how spoilery we want to get. I'm assuming not too much, but it's the first boss, so um, it, it's sort of like a, right. a, a big giant, you know, like uh, what are they like centipede kind of thing, right? Yeah, like yeah, a, he was a good. That was a good one. Yeah, and it goes around this this big pillar in the center, but it's got armor, so you break off the armor, right? And then you like break the 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 skin or whatever the the shell, and then you expose like where you can really do the damage. But as you break it down these purple balls and orbs are thrown out and you can Mm -hmm. knock them off, but you know, it gets overwhelming when all of a sudden, like you've now broken all the shields and shells and they're just all over the place. So I remember I, I spent, I spent like a good, like 45 minutes on that boss. Like I, I might've, I might've as well. When it, when it turns into a circle and starts uh, rotating around or like a wheel, it starts rotating around the stage. Man, that part's brutal because there's probably at that point, there's probably only one or two uh, weak areas left and you got to jump around or find them quickly because it only it only stays uh, um, stationary for like five or ten seconds. Yeah, not no, probably like five seconds or something like that. So you don't have much time to kill them. I thought the um, the lightning axe, uh, the lightning ability, was really good in that fight because it goes vertical. It's I think it's the only ability that strikes um, kind of upwards when you smash the ground. Mm-hmm. So that was a good one in that fight. But yeah, it took that one took me forever too. But yeah, so so you definitely do see spikes in difficulty. Uh, which I liked. And then I guess just uh, touching just because David had mentioned sort of like the linearity of the um, the dungeons and stuff. And I will agree most of them are, like I said, they do have some branching elements. But uh, again, as long as you're like actually paying attention and, and like I said, I, I was playing a little bit, you know, where your your attention's not fully there. You know, you can get a little turned up. But there was one point that I that like was pretty frustrating. Um, it was like I ran into this corridor uh, I think it was actually called like the Devil's Court or something along those lines, and it was like uh, like a, a spell was cast and and like you know you could see the like a wavy weird uh, like effect, and then you take damage like every second you're in there, and I, I you know I've got an ability uh, or I've got an item excuse me the harmonica, and it was like oh this dispels you know sort of area like di- whatever our diseases or you know mm-hmm. magical harmful magical spells i forget exactly the wording they use but you know so i like use that and it's like oh this uh, has no use here and i was like oh okay <laughs> like uh, all right so that's not it um okay maybe i need to work my way up like run through it as fast as i can and like you get up to one little area and there's one of those like I- I- little fox characters whatever they are and you give them the berry and they give you stuff but it, like yeah. i was like all right like well i don't have a berry and then, like, all of a sudden, then you go out back the way you came, and then it's like, oh, hey, I wonder what that is, you know? Maybe I should, like, ca- like call someone to figure it out, you know? And then eventually, I, like, had to look on YouTube. It was like, you call back, they tell you this, then you can, like, actually not use your harmonica yet because, like, you need to learn this skill. But, like, mm-hmm. and it was just like, ugh, like... You know, I was getting a little frustrated because I was using the item and, like, it was just giving me, like, oh, no effect, you know? So, I was like, what the yeah. heck's going on? So, I sort of hate when games do that, when you use something that you're supposed to use, but, like, you didn't do, like, a, a you know, I, you didn't trigger an event yet, so, therefore, it doesn't work, you know? But, like, the game doesn't give you any hint that, oh, that's probably the right thing to do, but, like, actually, like, you know, go do something first. 
So that that was one of my little frustrations. But uh, aside from that, you know, I, <laughs> I I've been enjoying it pretty much, uh, you know, full stop. So. I mean, it, there are some ways that it shows its age. You know, it's, it's almost 15 years old now, and they, they haven't really done a ton, I don't think, to to bring this. You know, they haven't made any major changes, certainly, and bring it to Switch. I think it's pretty much just the same, the same port that PlayStation 4, Xbox, uh, Vita, all, all these, all the different platforms got. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's parts later in the game, Casey. You're probably not there yet, but I, I think it gets even more cryptic. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I, I had to look up a few things as well, and it's just. I think, again, it's just part of that that maybe older game design and maybe one of the reasons why it took so long for it to come to the West is uh, there's just kind of those more um, tricky things that, uh, that the audiences over here that might not might not think to do or uh, aren't in. Uh, maybe if you've played a lot of Ease games or a lot of Nihon Falcom games uh, before, you'd be more used to some things like that. But um, I, I don't think they, uh, yeah, they're, they're not like kind of a major distraction or a major take away from the entertainment of the game. Um, I still think it's really fun. I think the boss fights are stellar, actually. I think that they all, almost all of them provide like a really serious challenge that uh, you're probably not going to walk in and beat the boss on the first try because uh, they, they all have kind of like patterns and strategies you need to think about. Uh, and also just like which of your elemental attacks, at least if you're playing as uh, as Unica, which of your elemental attacks will be the best. Um, I, I meant to say, just because you brought it up, um, the uh, to- uh, Unica's... Uh, her air elemental or wind elemental attack where she spins around, it's almost exactly like uh, in Ease 8 when Adol's doing that spinning slash attack. You remember that one? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. I didn't it reminded me that. of that immediately. And the, the reason I, I, I think of that uh, move that Adol does from Ease 8 is because I, I played like the whole game just using that one move. Like, <laughs> I, I just thought it was so broken to just do like spinning hurricane damage to, like everybody around me. Uh, and I used it. I used it a lot in this game until like my fire sword was upgraded a bunch because the damage that you output with the, the fire ability, the just the flames or the, uh, the giant kind of phoenix that flies out of your sword. Like, it's it's just massive and it hits everybody. So it's that ho- I, I found is crazy. It's really and it's really good against some of the bosses where they're they're a lot further away from you. You can kind of just cast a uh, cast a flying uh, phoenix at the edge of the room and and hit them across the rooms. So that's kind of nice too. But yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Since it charges up pretty quickly. Like the all yes, the abilities definitely. charge up really quickly. So again, it's sort of it just feels good to use them all the time. And, and I yeah. definitely agree. I was using the wind like. Pretty much just always had, um, you know, always had that whirlwind going around me. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's like a nice buffer, plus it's doing damage and stuff. So, uh, it, uh, definitely. I like never, fun. I never used the thunder ability. Like, I think I used the thunder my hammer, least. like, uh, maybe just, like I said, a couple times against the caterpillar boss. But, uh, just in, in terms of like normal running through levels, I almost never used it. Yeah. I think with some, actually, that, that's not true. I think with some flying enemies, it can be useful. Is you can hit them in the air without, and you don't need to jump up and slash at them. So that's that. There is there are use cases for it, but just for me, I during my playthrough, I didn't really spend a lot of time with it. I was just checking the uh, the list of the bosses, and it's funny that the, the for the most part the the bosses like the same bosses appear in both playthroughs, mm-hmm. but in a different order. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like it's, it's funny when you're talking about the. Uh, the caterpillar thing being first, and I was like, mm, my my first boss was the um, the girl of uh, Epona, I think her name was. Um, one of the uh, uh, get my my Falcom games mixed up here. Um, Epona, oh, uh, one of the one of the Darklings. Like uh, I think they're 
that that was the first person I came across. Um, it kind of alternates though, right? Like so, like uh, half the time the boss you fight is a, a character that's about your size, and it's kind of like it feels like um you're fighting in like an arena, like um like a gladiator kind of arena. Like, it, the the area might be like circular or something like that, and there's a lot of a lot of dodging and kind of in and out kind of attacking. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say about half the I felt like half the bosses were in that format. I didn't enjoy those as much. Um, I, I like the the larger bosses that are like you know kind of make you seem very small on the screen and uh, you know you really, you have to pay attention to their patterns. I found like the the I guess we'll say the human the, when you were fighting other humans, it felt like you it was just more of a war of attrition. Like you just had to be patient. Um, whereas with the bosses, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was more about uh, figuring out their strategy. Yeah, the human like it was. Uh, I don't know if the ma- if they maybe it just didn't last long enough, uh, but uh, it, there didn't seem to be much of a pattern to to their behavior. Like it, it was, yeah, like you said, like just pounding each other and hoping that <laughs> you're the you're the one that walks out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, one of the things I like uh, a lot about uh, Eve's Origin, especially the uh, the Neon Falcon games, is. Um, I've come to appreciate just like how dense their story is. Like it's a pretty simple game. Like it's only, I think like a six, 68 hour playthrough through, uh, each, each of the characters. Um, but you're getting a, a, a different viewpoint on the story on each one. And, uh, you, even the story is pretty neat. The, um, uh, just bring up my notes here. So they, um, so, so it's all kind of based upon, it's about 700 years before the second game, I believe. This is the only one that does not feature Adol. It's the only Ease game that doesn't have Adol as the, the main uh, protagonist. And um, in this story, uh, it's kind of, yeah, like an origin story for, for the early games um, where there's a, a this the, the land of Eves is uh, ruled by two goddesses and um, they have six priests that are looking over for them, and uh, all of a sudden, the 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 land was overtaken by demons, and the the whole and what ends up happening is that the uh, goddesses then take uh, move ease up into the sky just to to get away from the demons because they can't uh, can't beat them off or whatever. So they 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 yeah I know I'm gonna have to fix that. <laughs> oh I man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it in, God, but I gotta leave you laughing in it. Um, so yeah, it's oh man, it's it's late and I'm fried. They uh, so they yeah they take this the, the they all kind of uh, uh, retreat to the sky and then the demons begin to build a tower uh, to get to get to them, uh, and and this is the tower that you're that you're uh, going through the the whole point of the game, but you're the 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 kind of premise of the game is that the the two goddesses go missing from Eve's and they they uh, everyone kind of assumes they've gone down to the to the land so the they they send the people off to to find them and uh they discover that they're in the tower somewhere and that, yeah that's the, that's kind of the whole point of the game but there's uh yeah just a lot lot going on um with the backstory that you're learning about uh what happened before the demons came and you learning why the demons came like it's uh, i just find the the lore but that Neenhal Falcom always seems to come up with is uh, always top notch. Yeah, yeah I, I almost found it. I almost found it a little bit too much. Like I, I imagine if you played through the game multiple times, as as you're kind of supposed to do, I think to get the full story uh, and to understand all the lore, and, and especially if you've played other Ease games too, uh, you could probably really, yeah, really get into it. And there's just so much to unpack. But um, I found 
maybe or I, you know it just wasn't my far my favorite part of the game like the the story stuff the stuff of the goddesses um the uh kind of the birth of the world and what's going on i didn't really care that much about it that the gameplay really spoke for itself and so uh, i didn't to enjoy the game i didn't feel i need to i needed to be invested in the story or what the characters were saying i kind of just wanted to to get to the next the next uh part of the tower the next boss fight like i that was just that was just my experience with it anyways yeah i mean for me i i think it's like a good groundwork like it's it definitely got me interested like okay like sort of cool these demons coming out we're like jumping up in the sky now and uh you know yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you said, the, the gameplay definitely stands on its own feet, so it's like, if people don't want to get too invested, it's still, you know, easy to get in there and have fun, uh, but but they do have a good story, in my opinion, and, and like Dave was saying, like, to, to keep that going also, so they go nice sort of uh, compliment hand in hand. So, after playing uh, Ease Origin, uh, are you, you're, you're, I think all of our excitement level just has increased for any subsequent uh, Ease games. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for. I know, the, the, like we were saying earlier in the show, that Eve's 9 uh, Monstrum Nox uh, is coming out. Uh, it's suppo- It was supposed to be, I believe it's coming to PS4 first mm-hmm. in March, I believe. And then the Switch version is supposed to be sometime after that at some point. Um, not too far long after that. But I'm curious about because uh, there's there's a whole lot of Eve's games like before that. I don't know what the licensing issues like, what kind of licensing issues are because I know like the Eve's license has kind of bounced around to a bunch of companies, so it's hard to say uh, like who has what and and who has the motivation to to put more on Switch. But I mean, after Eight and Origins, I, I feel like whoever has the license i hope they don't miss kind of the opportunity that's uh, that's in front of them to to get that to this to the switch audience i just think it's that the type of game that nintendo fans will just kind of eat up i also think visually looking at at nine and just sort of how that game appears is going to be playing uh I, i think it'll have more appeal you know to people who are just sort of like because it, it seems sort of, I don't want to say Persona-esque, but, like, you're, you're moving around real quick, right? And, like, you're dashing around, and I feel like in, like, Persona 5 with the, the thieves and everything, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, I get a little bit of that. Maybe not, not so much, like, a one-to-one translation, but it might get people who wouldn't normally, you know, like you said, maybe they never played an Ease game before, but they go, like, oh, dang, like... This looks pretty cool. Like it looks like pretty fast-paced, fluid combat. You know, you're sort of popping all over the place, and and like I said, visually it looks cool. And and that game also has an interesting sort of, um, you know, I'm sure it'll get <laughs> quite you know detailed and in depth the story. But like the premise is is interesting enough, I think, to grab people off the bat. Coupled with like, it's a game I think that shows well. Like just looking at you know the trailers, it's really like, oh wow, this looks awesome. You know, and I think maybe that, you know, nine could maybe be the game that sort of, you know, makes it more popular in the, you know, over here um, in the States and, you know, North America and stuff. And that would be great because, like you said, maybe, uh, you know, again, it could be licensing hell on the back end of things. But, you know, get as many Ease games as you can. I mean, obviously, there are a ton of them, right? Nine's coming out and then there's like a a bunch of different, you know, not numbered or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Also in there. So. 
Yeah, I was looking at the the, the ones that are just named because they're uh, they were kind of made around the same time period, like uh, 2005, 2007. Um, like Eve's the Ark of, uh, oh man, it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't butcher your name. The Ark of Napishtim? You know, you bring this upon yourself when you choose like the hardest titles to go with. <laughs> I know. Well, in all um, fairness, but, a lot of the E's names are, are pretty convoluted. And weird. They are. They yeah. are definitely. I'll get the next like, one right. Uh, Lacrimosa of Donna, but it's spelled yeah. like Dana, you know, but it, yeah. it's actually Donna. Yeah. It's weird. But even looking at this one, like it's published by it, like the, there's different publishers depending on the platform. Like Konami was the publisher for the PS2 and the PSP version. Title was the publisher for the mobile version. Xseed was the, the publisher for the Windows version. Like it's just all over the place. <laughs> Anyone you know, you know um, who published publish Ease Origins? You know, published Ease Origins on Switch. Uh, that was uh, Limited Run. Was that, it? Uh, dot, dot dot emo. Dotam, Dotamu, yeah, dot em, Dotamu, dot emu. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Exceed, NIS America, Taito, uh, .emu, or .tamu, I don't know how they say that one. Uh, this is, this is the mess, right? Like, it seems like no one really wants to take the football and run with it, you know? Like, you just need, we, you need kind of, like, one company to say, like, hey, we've got this huge backlog of games, like, a lot of them are already localized, uh, and were playable on, uh, a PlayStation platform or on PC, so why not just put these games on Switch? Like, I'd I'd love to see so many of these titles come over. Uh, I'm probably going to end up playing a bunch of them anyways. You know, I imagine there's going to be a lot of um, maybe cheap games uh, on uh, a PlayStation Store or through sales or something. Uh, hopefully, anyways, they they also seem hesitant to put older RPGs on sale too. So like, there's Steam, not that many. Bro. Yeah, I, I know. I just I just don't want to play the games. Well, I don't uh, want to play them on a PC. Because I feel like the I get it. They had the winter sale coming up, and I, I think there was actually like a, a an ease or um I don't know. There was some sort of sale where a bunch of ease games. I can yeah, see that. I, I'm sort yeah. of hesitant as well uh, to to get it on the PC just because I'd I'd so much rather play um, you know on the Switch or something, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if they don't come out and you get a good sale, you know, you could hook up a controller to the PC pretty easy. So, yeah, it's true. Like, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree. I, I won't I won't necessarily do it, but I, I understand, like, how, how many people can and will will take that route if you're looking for a cheap way to get into, in, to get into the series. I mean, I think I think just 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 a, a point about Ease 8 again is I think that um, it's possible that the poor localization or the the poor translation that happened when that game first came to the West might have been a problem because i think that there hadn't been an ease game in the west in a, in a long time or at least hadn't been one of note everyone was looking forward to ease 8 coming over and when it did i guess when it came to playstation initially and maybe vita at the same time uh and the localization or translation just just didn't work out very well and there's a lot of complaining about that um which would i, I think it got fixed by the time the switch version came out it, i think it's things like that that might you know put publishers off of bringing the game over like there's because there's so much text in these games, because there's so much maybe expectation when they do get announced that people can get really nitpicky when when a translation isn't good, you know. And uh, yeah, I wonder if that maybe put the brakes. Maybe some, maybe some people that were going to publish some of these games, maybe they pumped the brakes a little bit after after um, a situation like that. I don't know. Yeah, like uh, Falgana, uh, Oath of Falgana. When Xseed licensed it, they actually used a fan translation. They had paid yeah. paid to use a, a fan translation. So, isn't that funny? Yeah, that, that's. I mean, yeah, it's sort of so, cool though. 
It is. It's really cool. It's uh, it's almost like that the guy who was making the Sonic uh, Sonic games, and then he got hired to do Sonic Mania or whatever, right? Like, like, um, the, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's like the only good Sonic game that was ever made. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and memories, even, and even uh, then, it's still a Sonic. Yeah, game. I was gonna say yeah. even then, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at some of the other ones too, like Memories of uh, Salsetta came out on PS4 just this June. Yeah. So it's yeah, like it's Slowly, and that was a surely, 2012 dude. game. But no, but no one. I don't. I didn't see anyone talking about that game. Like, I imagine like if it came, if it had come to Switch, like a yeah. I guess it's the ecosystem that I'm in that we're in. Like we're a little bit more kind of focused on games that are coming to Nintendo. But um, you know, with PlayStation Five coming out, like, is there a ton of reason to bring a game like that to PlayStation? Uh, so late in the game, you know, when you can bring it to Switch, when Switch is kind of like really thriving, a lot of people. I think the thing about putting games on Switch now is that there's still so many people buying a Switch console. And so you've got all these new people picking it up. And then on day one, they're going to be like, oh, let's check out the eShop. Let's see what games came out in the last month or so. And they're the one they're the ones going to find games like this, you know, like like some of the lesser known RPG series, I guess. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I was going to say maybe um as far as it coming on the PS4 so late, maybe it's something along the lines like, hey, we want to do this on, you know, PS, like PS5 as well. And they sort of maybe set it all up at one time, kind of, you know what I mean, more or less. And, and maybe yeah. we'll see it come. But yeah, I don't know. It, it Like you said, on the Switch, I mean, uh, on Talk Nintendo, we were just talking, um, the Switch has been the best selling console for the last 22 months uh, in a row. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, there are absolutely tons of new people coming in, you know, on the regular, on the daily, uh, you know, to, to get these games on there. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe the, the numbers are dictating otherwise, you know, maybe Ease 8 didn't sell as much as they want, but they're bringing 9 and, and we just saw Origins. So I, I don't know, maybe they're just slow to the to the punch, if you will, you know, and, and I mean, if, we'll if Ease 8 trickle. if if Ease 8 didn't sell well, I don't think they would have brought the Ease 9 to Switch. I think that was a litmus test for bringing games to Switch. And so we get we get Origins, which, again, that, that port work seemed to have gone to a different, uh, maybe a company that's not usually doing those games. Uh, and then, yeah, Ease 9, I, I imagine that's NIS America publishing uh, for PlayStation 4 and and, and Switch. Uh, yep. And they, you know, they, I think they're we almost have to rely on them to, to bring to bring these games over. But I don't know if NIS America is small enough to care about the bringing the older games forward you know I, i'm sure they're happy to bring these newer full full priced games or, or close to full retail price games over to switch and, and playstation 4 maybe playstation 5 eventually but uh i i don't know that they'd really want to care to go back to ease 5 or ease 6 or ease uh ease book 1 and 2 is coming to switch i think right like that that did get announced at some point right i'm not i'm not i didn't dream that i, I it's possible i did but well, I, I think no Eastbook yeah, one. I think Eastbook one and two is coming to Switch, uh, at some point. I'm I'm gonna look it up now. But you guys, you guys go on. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, part of the pro. Well, uh, aside from the licensing issues, which I'm sure NIS America would have with anything before eight, um, I think part of the issue might be related to our last call topic. Uh, that we'll get to. But uh, before we get to that, did you guys have any um? Parting statements about E's origin uh, before we move on. Um, I mean, I guess it feels like if you're looking for yeah, like sort of an old school action RPG, you know, that's easy to get into. You know, like I said, it, it's you could figure out the controls are are sort of like hey, here they are, and and you get into it real quick, and 
it, it's like David said, it's not a long game, which I remember it, that you would used to have been a problem. But nowadays I'm like, oh, baby, give me those shorties. Let, like, let's go, you <laughs> know. Um, and, and I feel like it could be a cool sort of entry point to the series, you know, fittingly with Origin, you know, if you're not ready to, you know, throw down on a, a full expensive copy of Ease 8, although I'm sure you could probably get it relatively cheaper anywhere else but the Switch. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I just, I think it's definitely a series worth checking out. It's it's fun. It's got a super long lineage, you know, and they're making more, and it seems like a game that's going to be around uh, more or less for, for the foreseeable future. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's only 20 bucks on the Switch, right, if you, to download? Yep. So it's yeah, it's pretty good, and it's for three. I mean, the the playthroughs, like playing as each character, the, the dungeons, not all that like really isn't that different. But you do get a little bit of a story. So I mean, you could technically have up to like three playthroughs for I don't know, let's say uh, twenty twenty hours ish or so potentially. So for twenty bucks, it's pretty good. Yeah, not a bad bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I must have been dreaming it. Like, I dream about all these RPGs coming to Switch. Um, <laughs> Ease, Ease Book 1 and 2, uh, it was available on Turbo Graphics. I think maybe on one, uh, maybe on the Wii Virtual Console or something like that. So that was one place to play it. Uh, and then there was also a, a DS version of Ease Book 1 and 2. I, I don't ever remember seeing that. Maybe it was a late uh, a late one, or maybe it only came to the EU or something like that. But I was going to say, are I ways think I pl- remember Guillaume talking about that mm. on Radio Free... Uh, Nintendo. Yeah, that that because I think be, that's the that first time I ever heard about it, and and whoo hoo hoo, nice and expensive. Uh, that DS copy. Yeah, I know. That's what I hate. Like DS games because it didn't have a digital short, uh, digital storefront yet. Uh, on the console, like it, it, there's no way to really get those games now for for cheap. A lot of them are super expensive, especially the art. I mean, 75 isn't even bad. Like, you look at some of the Dragon Quest games going for 100, 150 plus. Like, look up Dragon Quest Five. Like, it's it's incredibly expensive. Is it really that expensive? Uh, and I, st- and I, st- I still want to do an episode on it in the new year. It, so. It's really funny um, because I bought that game not that long ago, brand new from <laughs> from the yeah. Square Enix store. And now I'll, I must have gotten one of the last, like, part of the last shipment they had or something. Because, yeah, I'm you looking could, at you it. Could sell it. You could sell it for probably 10 times what you paid. Yeah, case, I'm looking at right it. Now. Yeah. It's uh, $71 with 10 bids. Yeah. It, oh, that I, I guarantee you that'll go. If if you, if you if, I don't know if you have a sealed, if you had a sealed one, like that, that'd be a very, very uh, lucrative game to sell. But, but it's funny because um, I just opened it <laughs> when, when we, oh, we did started you? playing it a lot. Not yeah. that I want to sell it, but. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. I, I promise you we're going to make it worth your while. I'm going to force David to, to boot up his copy again. <laughs> what we, we um, really the, should do is, uh, I mean, do everyone's favorite Dragon Quest uh, and, and do a big old juicy episode on seven. That would be four episodes. We'd be we'd be playing Dragon Quest Seven for a month, I think. If we if we Honestly, ended up doing that, probably one. more. That, I love it. I love it. I love it. Stupid long. <laughs> yeah, it's very very long. Um, yeah. So no no ease book one and two coming to Switch yet, but hopefully uh, hopefully someone uh, at Xseed or dot uh, emu or uh, nis america is listening to the podcast and and or hearing my prayers for that game uh, <laughs> but but yeah just 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 more ease games like i origin was great like i i really liked it um it's not i think that the singular setting hurts it a little bit i think it it does get a little bit stale uh just going up and up uh the same kind of tower um i don't think they do enough in the different kind of themed areas like the water or fire area to differentiate uh, I get the you know the kind of desert area. There's the sand uh, and the quicksand, and then you get the boots to to help with that. Like that's fine. 
Um, the enemies, uh, the enemy variety is pretty good considering that everything takes place in the same, uh, same location. Uh, but yeah, it, for me, it's really the boss fights that sell it. The progression is great too. Um, you really, again, you really do feel like you are getting stronger, uh, and that there are ways to grind effectively or to, to, to kind of power yourself up and get ready for harder boss fights. Um, I, I don't love that there isn't a really a new game plus to my understanding, like I, I beat the game as Unica, uh, and then when you st- I started the game up again as um, Hugo Fact, and there there isn't really anything you take forward with you, like or at least not not anything substantial. It would have been nice if you could just like go into the the beginning of the game being like super powered and just run through everything. Like like I get like you're, you're different characters. From... <laughs> yeah, I, I know, and I, I get that. Like it's the story is going to be different and different. You're going to get different abilities and stuff, but um, that's just not the kind of way I like playing games. I don't, I don't love going through games multiple times. Like I played Mm. fire emblem three houses once. I'll probably play it at least one more time in the distant future. You know, I'm I'm hanging onto that cartridge obviously, but uh, I'm not, I'm not playing through a game three or four times to get the full story. It's just not, it's not, it's not something I can fit into my lifestyle anymore. So um, it would yeah, it would have been nice if there was um, a way to expedite uh, second or third playthroughs of the game, I guess. But if you if you're the kind of person who doesn't mind that, then there's a lot there's a lot to do here, right? And to open up the third uh, hidden character, um, you know, I, I think he plays pretty differently from the other two. I think he's a little bit more risky, uh, more of a risk reward uh, type proposition with him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, good game, definitely recommend it. I do have a review of the game on NWR. Uh, and on NWR TV on YouTube, so you can check that out uh, for for a few more thoughts and just another look at the game. But it's 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 great. I, I I'm quite happy with it. Just want more of them. So mm-hmm. three thumbs up from this crowd. That's for sure. <laughs> yep. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. Uh, yeah, so this week's last call is inspired by the Eves and uh, my recent playthrough of uh, Cold Steel 4. And uh, the topic this week is uh, whether or not that is Nihon Falcom, the most underappreciated developer in the West. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of unappreciated developers around, that's for certain, but... I just feel like uh, having played these games and having gone through the the full game of Cold Steel Four and in just recently playing Cold Steel Three because I uh, played the Switch version a few just a few months ago, uh, these games really are on the same level as something that you would get from Atlas or Square, and w- we know how much admiration they get, especially in the West. And uh, I'm sure there's a bit of a history behind that. Like the, the the games have been out in the West for a very long time. Like when you think of Square. Obviously, like started on the NES. Uh, same with Atlas. Like th- they have a uh, maybe a bigger history in the West, I suppose. But I just feel like at this point, they they've had so many good titles come out uh, with like Eve's Aid and and the the Cold Steel series, and then uh, even before that, like the the Trails in the Sky. Uh, there's just so much that's so great, and, and I I'm to the point where I'm just not understanding why they're they're not put on that same level. Why they're yeah, not getting I mean, the same amount of love that that, that these other know. developers are getting. It's they. I need to get into the 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 Trails of Cold Steel. Um, get in and never get out. But I feel it'll, like you guys have talked life, it up so, so much. Uh, yeah, that it's one of those games I I got to get in there. But I wonder if it is partly right. Um, 
I feel, I mean, obviously, Square has always been huge, even when there was big delays. I mean, even Dragon Quest, um, you know, the, the most re- recent Dragon Quest, obviously, you know, took a while to get over here. Um, but because I'm looking at even like Cold Steel 4 came out in 2018, you know what I mean, originally, and it's just coming over now. Now, I'm trying to think, or let me check real quick. Um What's the gap? Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, PS4, it's coming out. All right, same time. Right. All right. So, yeah. I, I was making sure it wasn't released already. He's, re- and, uh, he's reviewing it on PS4. That's right. Yeah. You're actually doing this for the PS4, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, the PS4 is just coming right. out. And I, the Switch I, version of Cold Steel 4 will come out. I believe it's coming in March. Next. Yeah. Gotcha. Because uh, I wonder if, like, not being, you know, having the resources to get a, you know, worldwide launch... You know, it, it comes out in Japan, it gets hyped up, then sort of dies down a little bit, then comes out in the States, you know, without the same, you know, sort of gusto. You know, I wonder if that sort of plays a part into some of these games sort of falling behind um, as far as popularity goes. But like I said, I, I'm really interested to see how 9, uh, for, at least in, in terms of ease, to, uh, how 9 does when it gets here, um, you know, if, if it sells really well in comparison to previous titles or you know because maybe it is sort of the beginning of it getting you know more so acclaim my, and more recognition uh, my maybe not philosophy but my my guess as to why uh maybe the developer isn't as appreciated is you think about the the lag time between when games are releasing and when uh the localization or when they when they come over uh to uh to north america and europe uh, or leave japan i guess um, that if it's multiple years where that's happening, it's possible that the games feel dated by the time that they come over or that a new console comes out and people have already moved on to that. Um, I think the fact that it really Neon Falcon was developing games exclusively for for PC, but not just PC. I think they're, they're Japanese PCs that probably weren't even available over here. Right. So you're yeah. thinking about, you know. Late 80s, mid, even up to the mid 90s, there weren't games coming to Windows until it looks like 97. Um, and so that's a long time. So that's missing out on the NES, the Super NES, even the N64 had come out by that time, right? So you're you're missing you're missing, and and I I, I think they did have mm-hmm. a couple games on Super Famicom uh, and maybe uh, a version of the Turbo Graphics 16. But by that time, there's just so much, so like Square Enix. Square and Enix, I suppose, separately have already made such inroads in the, you know, RPG fans' life. You know, like there's so many games in those series that have already come out, all the Dragon Quest games, the Final Fantasy games. Uh, by this time, to, to bring over like uh, the E series or any of the Trails games or the Legend of Heroes games, I suppose, um, it, yeah, it just feels like it's very hard for them to, to get in at that time. There's also the fact that. They're they're really wanting to publish and I think do a lot of the translation work in house. Like they're they're not farming out their games to be done elsewhere, and they never had, to my knowledge, they never had a uh, a branch in the U.S. Right? They like Square Enix had uh, a branch of its company in North America. I think Enix, yeah. I think Enix did as well. Um, other camp other companies followed suit, and so that would make translating these games faster and easier. So. It's just it's just a company that that maybe they didn't have um, illusions of grandeur. Like maybe they didn't want to be this huge mega company competing with the likes of SquareSoft and Enix, right? That they they're happy just kind of like you know making a, making profit on every game, you know, selling to like a hardcore dedicated audience. 
And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like you don't you don't need to be, you know, tearing the doors off the or telling the roof off the house every time you sell a game. Like you can you can just be be happy like with with a consistent product that is good, that has a dedicated fan base. I I, I respect that, you know, like it's it's not trying to set records with every new game that you release, but instead stay true to specific formulas and um yeah just to kind of keeping keeping the people that support you happy um I, it's definitely underappreciated because we just haven't gotten a ton of their games and we've gotten them too sporadically like you think about the separation between the cold steel games not just in terms of years apart but also on platforms right uh i I've, I've played uh cold steel 1 on vita I have a PlayStation 3 copy of Cold Steel 2. I've reviewed the game. I've reviewed the third game on Switch. The fourth game is coming to PS4 in a week. Like, it's just too spread out, you know? Like, I want to play I want to play two or three games on, maybe on the same console or at least on the same, you know, on Nintendo platforms uh, or all on Sony platforms or something like that. And it's just harder to do that with Neon Falcon games. I suppose... If if you're a dedicated uh, PC player and you're pl- you like playing JRPGs on PC, you're probably well served by Neon Falcom and and whoever's publishing their games. But I I I can't imagine sitting down for the length of some of these games at a PC and you know 30, 40, 50 hours RPGs. Uh, I'm just not interested in that at all. Like I, I want I want it to be portable. I want it to be on a, on a larger screen. Whatever. Like I, I want it to be accessible to me. And so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's it's not as appreciated, but I hope that's changing. Like, I, I hope that's changing with you know this, the at least critical success of Cool Steel Three. I think it did, I think it, the Metacritic scores are quite good. <laughs> at least I know that David and I uh, certainly thought so. Um, and 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 it sounds like Cold Steel Four is going to be much <laughs> more the same. So uh, maybe maybe this is the time when a lot of Neon Falcon games are coming to modern platforms uh and in and in a fairly quick uh, succession right like maybe this is their chance to gain some notoriety and maybe that'll even propel them to or convince them to uh, uh find a way to get some of their older titles on on uh, on switch for example yeah i definitely think this could be a payday for nis america because it it really is like between the eaves and the the trails series the franchise or the legend of heroes uh i just think there's a ton of terrific games that when people find them or discover them they could really kick off yeah i think like you said all the reasons that you guys mentioned are, are all contributing towards why we don't know them as well in the west um i, I think like you kind of had it dead on with like i just don't feel like nihon falcom has the the will or the um, desire to really uh, market themselves outside of japan like you said i think they mm-hmm. they're kind of a pc developer um, they're they're more than happy to make PC games for the Japanese fan base and uh, just kind of rely on other companies to kind of piggyback or or benefit from the the terrific games. Uh, in this case, uh, NIS America is now the one uh, benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the 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 thing for me, especially um, having just played about I don't know, says sixty seventy hours of Cold Steel Four, and um, probably could potentially be my game of the year for twenty twenty. It's just, it wasn't that long ago that we had the debate between like action-based RPGs and turn-based RPGs when uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. And everyone kind of on the 
the the bandwagon of like oh turn based RPGs are are you know they're great and then when you think of like all the um everyone kind of jump loving maybe not everyone on this podcast but everyone else loving Octopath Traveler for going back to the to the, to the turn based style and um <laughs> like for me I I just really think that the Cold Steel series uh, three and four at least uh is probably the best turn-based modern game like uh, i've always really held persona 5 uh in high regards especially uh, royal having come out this year but even then like i just think that the the turn-based combat in cold steel 4 uh just just overshadows it just a little bit it's just that Mm. much better there's just more complexity and more strategy and i think uh there there might be a lot of turn-based rpg fans who haven't gotten into this series yet that are going to have their minds blown when, when one day they pick up one of these games and realize, Oh man, like this, these are terrific games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't really add anything to that. I think cool steel games are great. I think the ease games that, that have come over so far are great. I still want to go back and play other ones, but I'm holding out hope for switch. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of, I, I think, you know, RPGs. Uh, I think there's just so many of them that, uh, it's the kind of game that will always the kind of maybe it's a genre that'll always be part of your backlog, or there's just going to be so many that you never get to. And um, if they can, if, if some of these games can find their way to Switch, like I, I'll make, I'll be able to make time for them. Like I, this, this, this is this is what the episode has devolved into. This, this me pleading with somebody to keep localizing <laughs> games for 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 Switch, you know, because I, because I, I won't, I won't be able to play them otherwise, and. Um, yeah, it it really is Nihon Falcom that has this huge stable of titles that I want to go back to because the ones that they have brought over, I think have been spectacular. And if I were making, you know, I think at some point next year, I'd love to do like a top 10 RPGs or like a top hell. If we want to get nuts, like do a top 100 RPGs podcast or something like that, or a series of podcasts. I don't know. Um, but that that would be that it would be hellacious Good but land. i think it would also be uh, a place where we could really insert so many of these games near near the top of the list that maybe people haven't played yet so how about yeah, uh, march madness uh what is it top the there bracket we go. yeah yeah that's that's Ooh, what we're gonna do the bracket yeah and we'll we'll come up with the, the definitive top rpg and that no one will be happy with <laughs> yes that's right i was gonna say yeah that that won't that won't uh yield any uh arguments and ending we'll have fun friendships. doing it though and that's what counts <laughs> octopath traveler will okay. not be in okay. the top so, 64 god dang it it's case is already off that podcast uh j- just because we've got we've already had uh our uh weekly quote of octopath mentions met uh, I did want to I did want to say just before we wrap up that there has been some Octopath news that came out today that I saw. Um, there, there's a phone. There's a phone game. I don't know if it's. <laughs> you lost me at phone game. <laughs> I should have. I shouldn't have started with the phone and that's game. That's the end of the show, there, guys. There, there is a phone. You. There's a phone game coming. I, I don't know if it's coming to the West, but there is a phone game coming uh, of Octopath. Uh, with like, I think that's like episodic story content and episodic characters or something like that. Whatever. Uh, they all. But in in the same breath or the same interview where they mentioned uh the mobile game is still being worked on. Uh, the a sequel is. I suppose in the cards or they, they do mention another console Octopath game or another full fledged Octopath game. So uh, for those still holding out for hope, like uh, for that game, like I am, 
uh, we did get another mention of it today. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the whoever they were interviewing at Square also said, uh, you know, look forward to Bravely Default 2. Uh, some, my guess, still sometime in 2020. I'm still waiting for Diablo more. Oh, good luck, dude. Well. Like, who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of <laughs> well, this, this seems like a good spot to uh, to wrap it up, Jordan. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, so uh, this was a fun episode on on E's origin uh, and just just kind of Neon Falcom in general uh, for people that uh, don't know a lot about their titles. Got a lot of good games. Um, uh, obviously, want to thank uh, thank everybody for listening tonight. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to us, please do so on your podcast device of choice. Uh, we've got an episode coming up next week on Bloodborne, uh, which uh, we're uh, very excited to talk about. A very difficult game. Uh, in the Soulsborne kind of uh, genre, uh, but we'll be joined by I think two uh, fellows from the Cross Players uh, podcast or the po- Cross Players kind of uh, video game network. I guess well, I'll I'll ask Ben for clarification on what they want to refer to their outfit as. Uh, but yeah, two two of those fellows from across the pond are going to join us. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, that's uh, that's going up next week. Um, Obviously, great to hear from uh, dedicated ease expert Casey Gibson, who has only played two games in the series. But uh, you fake it uh, till I, you make it, boys. I, I think we're still going to treat him as the expert because he's he's going to be the most enthusiastic going forward, anyways, and and has been. So uh, thank you to Casey for joining us as well. Oh, no problem. Always a pleasure, even though uh, Jordan's a darn West Coaster, making me stay up late. <laughs> You, if you've had enough caffeine to last you, you should be able to stay up the rest of the week without sleeping, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, David, uh, details on Patreon really quick. Yeah, so there's three tiers. The first tier uh, at $2, the Warrior class will get you uh, early access to the show uh, when it's available. And it also uh, lets you contribute um, ideas or topics to uh, be featured on the podcast. And the next two tiers are the the video game club that I had mentioned at the uh, at the beginning of the podcast, where for five bucks a month uh, you will have access to review codes or even just uh, codes that we get uh, copies of uh, to give away, or maybe uh, we've got um, physical copies of games that we've played or reviewed or done for the podcast, and we'll just uh, mail them off to you. But yeah, for five bucks a month, it gets you access to those, and uh, it gives. We also help you out on uh, getting your thoughts down. So that could be writing an article, it could be uh, having a conversation, um, uh, a phone conversation, and maybe record it, throw it on YouTube, something like that. But just uh, yeah, we're here to uh, to help out. And the the third is the ten dollars a month, and gets all gets you all of those things. Plus, uh, you get your name on our content as a producer. So. Uh, you know, when our reviews like uh, Scourge Bringer go up today and we put uh, everyone who's on that uh, that ten dollar uh, a month plan, uh, you'll get your name uh, as a, a producer credit. So, um, yeah, just uh, if you have any questions about the, the specifics of the details or if you want to know how it works, how often you're getting games, that sort of thing, you can head over to the Thirsty Mage Discord. Uh, there's plenty of our patrons that are there now that will be happy to uh, to answer any questions, uh, but I'm also there uh, all the time, and I'll be uh, happy to help and answer any questions you have as well. Uh, just to, in, in the interest of plugging a little bit more content before we wrap up here, before we sign off, uh, so y- you can find me on Twitter at Riskman64. I've got a I've got a review of uh, Disc Room from Devolver Digital uh, coming out tomorrow. Uh, I guess that that's Thursday for whenever you're listening to this. You can check that out on NWR. Uh, I like the game quite a bit, so uh, definitely check out that review. It's quite good. It's quite a good game. Um, I think Casey, I would say, uh, Casey, uh, give people your Twitter handle, but I think you're changing it after, um, 
uh, the the start to the NFL season. Is that right? Nope. I'm going to. <laughs> I'll be a Jet fan to the day I die, dude. And let me tell you, if there's ever a year to be historically bad, Trevor Lawrence is the year to do it. Um, I'm excited for that. But yeah, I, I guess just real quick as we're doing a little plug a lug in a way, uh, I'm going to have a review up for Goner 2 uh, probably before the end of the weekend. Uh, definitely before the end of the weekend, I should say. So that'll be up on uh, the Thirsty Mage YouTube page and, and uh, over on the site as well. So uh, keep, in, keep your eyes peeled for that because uh, a, a, a small spoiler alert, it's real good. Yeah, I really like the first one. I, I don't know if I'm going to have time to play the second one, but I am looking forward to seeing your review case. It sounds like uh, it's going to be a good one, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, that'll do us for uh, this week, everybody, and an episode on E's Origin. Uh, look forward to our Bloodborne episode next week, uh, and we will talk to you then. Have a good night. Bye. Adios. Bye.